Welcome to the podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a faith community committed to dismantling oppression and building beloved community, a place of shared liberation, joy, and belonging. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Thank you for the lovely opening music this morning to our guest, Drew McGraw. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to this community of beauty and connection where people have been coming for generations for nourishment, care, and inspiration. Welcome online and in person on this beautiful New Year's Day. My name is Lori Stevens, and I am the Cummins Ministerial Intern here at First Universalist Church, where we welcome one and all. It's a joy to be sharing worship this morning with our senior minister, Reverend Jen Crow, our artist-in-residence, Amy K. Bryant, and special guest, Drew McGraw. I'm especially glad to welcome you all here on New Year's Day, this first fresh day of 2023. Like fresh snow, unbroken. By starting our year here together, we proclaim an intention to align with our faith and with our values throughout the coming year. Here at this church, we believe in the spirit of love and hope. We trust in the cycles of giving, receiving, and growing together. We put our faith into action. We listen deeply to where love is calling us next. We welcome, affirm, and protect the light in each human heart. And we act with humility, courage, and compassion to create a more just and equitable world. We believe that the transformation of the world and the transformation of ourselves are intimately interconnected, and we commit to creating spaces of liberation, joy, and love. Unitarian means we are part of a greater wholeness. Universalism means we are all welcome and wanted whole and holy and worthy just the way we are. And all of us have room to grow. And here we make room for our whole selves, including our bodies, which sometimes means we need to get a little wiggly or move around the space or stretch or stand, and that is totally fine. This is a big space, so feel free to use it to get up, walk around, move, to let yourself or young ones roam and to come and go if you need to. A reminder that COVID-19 and a couple other infectious diseases are currently still with us, and we ask everyone to mask in the sanctuary unless they are speaking from the pulpit or leading singing. Elsewhere in the building, masks are currently optional. If you are new to First Universalists, special welcome to you. 
please introduce yourselves to one of us, to an usher, sign up for our newsletter, and find out more ways to get connected. Let's finish arriving in the space to take a moment to breathe together on purpose, to feel our bodies, to look around in wonder that we all should be here now together. From this space of connection, we remember that we are transient beings on this earth and that this place in particular was inhabited for thousands of years and is inhabited still by members of the native nations of this land. And we commit ourselves to learning the larger stories of all people and beings of this land, to truth telling and to repair. Please join me in the chalice lighting if you uh, would like to join, it'll be posted up on the wall. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Welcome. Please stand, if you're able. Uh, stand in body and spirit and join us in singing the opening hymn, Meditation on Breathing. It's uh, 1009 in the teal hymn if you need it. Or it's up on the wall. Good morning, First Universalist. <laughs> when I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out. one of the congregants doing something embodied and so I want to invite us all to do this also. So let's go breathe in peace. Breathe out love like the kids do. Breathe in peace. Breathe out love. Yeah. Okay, here we go. When I breathe in thought there would be a lot more people in the sanctuary. So this is an invitation. We're talking a lot about slowing down and pausing today. And so I wanted to play slow motion freeze tag. <laughs> it goes like this. 
Uh, there'll be some people who are it and everyone else is not it. And we play freeze tag in slow motion. So if regular motion looks like this, slow motion is like this. I'm going to get you. Got it? So if you would like to play slow motion freeze tag, please stand and make your way to an aisle or down here. And oh, let's thank you all. You made my year. <laughs> um, who would raise your hand? Yes, you're welcome to play in the balcony also. Um, if Raise your hand if you want to be it. We can have several people being it. Uh, if you're going to be it, uh, like keep your spirit fingers alive so people can recognize who they're running from. <laughs> okay. Can we have maybe one or two more people in the back of the aisle choose to? Okay, I see one. Good. Okay, are we ready? So for those of you who are observing, you can help people um, stay in slow motion. If you see people <laughs> begin <laughs> to like go in regular, just give them a little slow down sign. Sometimes we need a reminder. Okay, are we all ready? All right, go. Once you're tagged, you freeze. I forgot to say the rest of it. Until someone who is not it tags you and you're unfrozen. frozen and you see frozen people, help them out. We're going to play for about 30 more seconds. Tagger, see if you can get everybody. <laughs> okay, game over. Everybody, wherever you are, take a deep breath. Yes, I know, it would be fun. Um, as you return to your seats, <laughs> you're welcome. Your workout, your first workout of the year is done. Um, but take a moment to find someone near you and talk, uh, just for a brief moment, about what it's like to slow down. How hard or easy is that? Um, what makes it hard or easy? And then how hard or easy is it to just be still and wait for the next thing? <laughs> Let's bring our conversations to a pause. Also, maybe find this difficult, a difficult place to, to stop. I'm so grateful for First Universalist where I can come to the ministerial staff and say, can we play freeze tag? And they say, yes!
Okay, let's return to the spirit of worship. <laughs> Which sometimes is chatty, I know, but we're going to enjoy my good friend, Dean McGraw. We are so glad to have you here with us this morning, Dean, and I apologize for getting your name wrong before, but thank you for your beautiful music. I invite us now to settle a little bit more deeply into our bodies and into the space, to notice your breath, 
Notice your heartbeat. From this place of shared breath, we pause to hold silence, a quieter time to rest. We pause to remember the wisdom of this world, the ways of the river and the earth, the breath of our ancestors that breathes us still, and the rhythms that hold us all. In the space between breath, between work, between striving and exhaustion and hustle and hurt, we pause for rest, for space. The rest note that makes all music sound, the silence from which speech is heard. We pause and remember the cycles of life we are a part of, the reflective dormancy of winter, the rebirth of spring, the heat of summer, and the cool harvest of fall. We remember that our lives, too, move in cycles of rest and renewal, where wonder is welcome, even when there is work to do in our world and in our lives. Here in this place of pause, we breathe and remember that we are part of a community that stretches beyond the bounds of our individual families and lives to include all of this world. And we make room to pause and share in the prayers unspoken this morning that rest in all our hearts. Together we pray that the grip of addiction be loosened that the weight of oppression be lightened, the truth be told, that joy break through, that love make every suffering bearable for us all. I don't know about you, but I'm longing for just a moment of quiet before we head into sermon time. So I invite us to settle in for a moment, have a little more quiet on this day of reflection and pause.
Thank you for that. Thank you for that quiet. I love coming to church for so many reasons. Highest on the list is getting to be with all of you in person and online, but also because I know that here I'll do things I don't always do in the rest of my life. I'll be quiet with a group of people that is also longing for a better now and a better world. I'll get to sing together. We'll get to remember what we're about. We'll get to play. I love getting to be here with all of you and getting to be at church for just those reasons. And wherever you're joining us from this morning, whether it's right here in the sanctuary in the pews or online right now, or you're catching up with us sometime later in the week because if we learned anything during this pandemic time, right, church is not bound by the walls of a building. It can and should, in fact, go with us wherever we are, right? But here we are in this particular moment, in this turning of the year time, and I love the way that in this moment, in these few days, maybe between some of the winter holidays ending and New Year's and the startup of life sort of as we knew it in 2022, starting again in 2023, we have this time where even our culture and our world slows down for most of us. And it encourages this time of pause, this time of reflection, right? It's one of the times that are maybe rare where I feel actually supported in my spiritual practice by our culture. Slow down, pause, take a look back at the year, see what we want to let go of and what we want to carry, right? So here we are in this time of pausing, of reflecting, this time where we line ourselves up with the seasons of life, right? A few weeks ago, we talked about rest as an essential spiritual practice. Rest as a way of resistance, actually, of pushing back against some of the things that harm us and our world, ways of pushing back against oppressive systems by claiming rest and space and time. And pause, I would say, is step one. <laughs> to even be able to stop for a moment, to let our breath settle, to stop moving if that works for us, to slow down enough to pause. Mary Oliver, the poet, gave us some instructions for living. Very, very simple. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Well, at least for me, I can't even begin to pay attention until I slow down a little bit slow down and let myself feel what's going on in my body, in my spirit, in my brain, around me with all of you and the world, to slow down enough to even begin to pay attention so that I might be astonished and maybe tell about it. But I have to wonder, given that pausing is so hard in our world sometimes, for many of us, what is it exactly that happens when we slow down? What happens in that in-between space, that rest note that Lori talked about, that slower way? What happens when we pause? And this is a real question to you. 
What do you notice? What happens when you pause? Anybody want to say what happens? What happens when you slow down and pause? Checking in with our online crew, too. Oof, you figure out what you need. Yes. What else happens when you pause? Though that'd be enough, right? Clarity. Clarity. I heard that. You realize you're tired. Yes. What else? Yes. <laughs> what else happens? You see. I realize how tired I am. Heartache. Oh. Heartache. What's up? All the feelings. That's right. That's right. So noticing more what's around you and inside of you. You get regulated by your breathing, I hear on here. You get a clearing view. All these things and more happen when we actually slow down and pause, right? We've been practicing for three years now the three intentional breaths together as a community. And many of you have probably seen me. I put my feet on the floor when we do that. I stomp my feet to remember my body. And when I take those breaths, it allows me and I hope us to slow down enough to notice what we're feeling physically, what we're feeling spiritually, what we're feeling or what stories are running in our minds. All of that allows space, right? To see more clearly, to feel the heartache maybe, to know what we really need, to claim what we really need. All of that happens in that pause time. And I want to say that that pause time is enough to change a life. I know that for myself because one of the first things I learned to pause was restraining what I said and maybe what I did. To pause long enough to hold back, not say the hurtful word, the word in anger, pausing long enough to check in with what's going on inside of myself and then choosing how to be next. So pausing is enough, but if you want to go a little bit further, which I, the striver, always do, pausing can move to naming, noticing, and choosing, all with compassion for ourselves and each other, right? So a lot of what happens in that pause time, even what you all said and what came up in the chat here, we name what is happening for us. We notice what is happening for us. And that space allows us enough room to choose how we will be next. So I bring this process forward just to name it, notice it together, and help us set our way as we move ahead into 2023, right? So whatever we need to do to pause, to notice what's moving through us, maybe to notice the ways that old stories collectively or individually are moving in us that we might want to interrupt, or encourage, and then to choose with love and compassion what we want to do and how we want to be next. So I've been doing some of this pausing and noticing and naming and choosing a little bit over this break time for me. And of course, I've gotten sucked into some of the, you know, year in review stuff that everybody else does, I think. And I'll admit my top favorites are Barack Obama's reading list, which is always something I want to follow. Also the best air fryer recipes of 2022. That's got a tab now for me. 
But the other one is a podcast that a colleague of mine sent me months ago, I swear, and I haven't had time to listen to or look up. And it is this podcast about church, because church nerd. Um, and what it is, this particular one is, what are the trends in churches in 2022? And in particular, what are the disruptive trends in churches in 2022? And I bring this to you all because one, we're in church community together, but two, because I found the reflections helpful, not only for this community, but also for us personally and collectively. So one of the things, no surprise, they're really reflecting on in this podcast is about the impact of the pandemic on churches and on us as individuals. Now, I want to remind us, whenever we talk about the pandemic or any collective experience, right, to remember like we did when it began, that we are all in the same storm, but we are in very different boats. So we are all in the same storm of this, all impacted and maybe injured and in times of loss and change, but we are in very different boats, depending on our social location and the resources that we have. So I say that at the beginning, knowing that our individual experiences are different as I talk about these larger trends. So this podcast, they're talk it's called Igniting Imagination. If anybody wants to geek out, I'll send you the link. Happy to share it. Um, but in it, it's three pastors talking about the impact of the pandemic on church life. And the first thing they say is that the pandemic has accelerated change that part of what happened at the beginning of this is that change started going way faster than we are accustomed to, and that that creates all kinds of feelings and experiences and reactions in all of us, right? And they talked about a bunch of stuff, but they one of the guys on it said, the pandemic has really been three marathons, and we've completed one, and we're partway through two, is what he said, and I was like, no. <laughs> I would like to be all the way done all three if I could, please. But he talked about three marathons of the pandemic. Traumatic improvisation, marathon number one. This is what happened right away. When everything shut down, we started experiencing huge loss. We all were going through a collective and individual trauma on lots and lots of levels. And we started improvising in some really amazing ways. And changes that we talked about and hoped for to make suddenly happened really quickly. For instance, church going completely online in a matter of minutes, really. All kinds of improvisation happened in our individual lives and our collective lives. And it was traumatic. Traumatic improvisation. Marathon number one. Marathon number two, he said, is existential exhaustion. Existential exhaustion. A kind of tiredness that is bone-weary for many of us. Uh, we've seen it in our larger culture, the great resignation, the quiet quitting, all of that. This sense that there's, there, it's not possible to do more than we absolutely have to. And from this place of exhaustion, we start asking those existential questions, the big questions, the questions that I love to talk about in church. Are, am I lining my life up with my values? Am I living the way I want to live? Am I in a relationship or relationships that are fulfilling to me and life-giving? Am I part of communities that matter to me and where I want to give and receive and grow? Is this the life I want to be living? 
existential questions. So the pastor in this podcast says we're about 17 miles into Marathon 2, for those of you who track. I don't know. We're somewhere in there. And then Marathon 3, he says, is nostalgic scarcity. Nostalgic scarcity. And this one I had to really sit with a little bit longer. So what he said about this is that nostalgic scarcity is when you believe you have limited resources and what you want to do is replicate the before times, basically. You want to take your limited resources and replicate the world before it all fell apart, before it all changed. And this is a really difficult situation to be in. And he says, of course, it's fine to want comfort. We all do at different points. And it's okay to go and get it sometimes. But to live from a place where you believe that resources are limited and that you have to go back in time to feel safe and okay, this is problematic. Problematic in church life, problematic in spiritual living, problematic in our lives. And I was thinking about this, immediately what came to mind around nostalgic scarcity is an experience that I've had in my family. So what I'm doing is applying these marathons, right? Traumatic improvisation, existential exhaustion, and uh, nostalgic scarcity beyond church, but also to individual life and, and other patterns, right? So I started thinking about our house fire in 2016, and I started thinking about, okay, traumatic improvisation, yes. All of a sudden, we had to do things very, very differently with a lot less and a lot different. Uh, Existential exhaustion, yes, absolutely, from that. But then nostalgic scarcity, right? So part of what happens when you have a house fire like ours is that we had to replace much of what we'd had before, right? And we had changed a lot. When we finally moved back into our house after it was rebuilt and we'd had that in-between time, right? We're moving back into the house, and we had changed a lot about it. But I was adamant that the basement, the hangout space, the place where we watched TV together and did movies and stuff, was going to be exactly the way it was before the fire. I insisted that we buy the exact same couch. I put up, you know, reclaimed and put up some of those posters. I wanted one room in the house to be the same as it was so I could go feel comforted and comfortable down there. Seems fine, right? Mostly fine idea. Except we were different. We weren't the same as we had been a year before. And in particular, in our family, our dog was not the same. Now, we have a fantastic dog who we love named Teddy. He's a yellow lab, and he was high-strung before the fire happened, I'll just say. But after, he really, really struggled. And one of the things about him after the fire was that he was still living with the impact of it, right? And one of the ways it came out was that um, couch cushions that weren't attached to the couch were clearly food. (laughs) So this is a problem in our house with the couch in the basement because the cushions are not, in fact, attached. And he has, over time, destroyed all of them. So now we have the same couch in the basement with zero cushions on it, which is really uncomfortable. (laughs) Zero cushions down there. So we have an assortment of pillows and squishmallows and all kinds of stuff down there that we prop ourselves up and sit on. 
and he has relaxed a lot, and we have worked together a lot on easing things for him. But do you know what? We're never going to be able to have a couch with detachable cushions again in our house. Not while he's with us, and I don't want it to be any different than it is. So that nostalgic scarcity of I've got to have the exact same couch, it just didn't work out because he was different. And it turns out we're different, and the world is different than it was. So I think about this with the pandemic times, right? Here we are coming up on almost three years of doing this together. Accelerated change, trauma, improvisation, exhaustion, big questions, trying to find comfort, and for some of us trying to go back. How do we do this? How do we do this in a way where we choose with compassion how we move forward as individuals and as a community? For me, the noticing and the naming really, really helps. This model might not fit for you, and that's okay. This model might not fit every situation. It sure doesn't. But even playing with it has been helpful for me. I've been playing with it with church, playing with it around the house fire for us. And I've also been thinking a lot about how this moment in time, these three years we've been through together, how it really will be one of those defining historical times. We talked about that at the beginning of it, right? We said, back in traumatic improvisation mode, we said, the pandemic is a portal, quoting Arundhati Roy, right? That this is in a moment we can choose to walk through that portal and let go of the old ideas and the baggage that wasn't healthy for us or the planet. We can move through that portal with little luggage and an open heart and open mind, ready to create the future we've been dreaming about. We had that readiness. And then we've been through so much. And here we are, somewhere in the middle of marathons two and three, trying to chart a way forward, stopping to notice what is coming up in each of us as people, as a community. I think about this model, I've been thinking about it, applying it with what happened for us too after the murder of George Floyd. Trauma, improvisation, loss. Things are different. Things are the same. Things are different. Things are the same. Exhaustion. Big questions. Maybe that pandemic is portal moment. This will be the moment that changes things. Exhaustion. Nostalgic scarcity. I think about all this and need those deep breaths, those intentional pauses that help us find ourselves, hear what we need from deep inside, get a clearer view, feel the heartache, remember our values and what's most important to us, be compassionate with ourselves and each other, and choose 
what is next. Choose what is next. So this is what I bring to you to play with too, in your heart and mind and spirit, what noticing and naming, what marathons that we are in, are you noticing for yourself? What vision do you want to claim for where we are going, individually and collectively? How might you be compassionate with yourself in the naming and noticing and the choosing? And of course, how might this church community support you in that? Together we pause. We've learned those intentional breaths together. We've learned singing together. We've learned how to meditate and pray together in community, whatever our understanding of the holy is. We've been learning how to play together. We know how to support one another and care for each other. What else will we choose here? Every day, every week is an opportunity to begin again. To begin again and again and again. In just a few weeks on January 21st, we'll have our first all-church retreat. A chance to gather in here or online to pause, to notice, to name, to choose. You're all invited in whatever ways work for you. How can this church support you in this time of pausing and choosing? These are my questions for us today. As always, one of the ways that we choose to be together in community is to support each other in this spiritual practice, this rhythm of giving and receiving and growing together. This church community has not limited resources. When it comes to caring for each other, we have unlimited resources. Our hearts are big. So as we share in our offering time together today, this time of sharing in financial resources, I remind all of us that if this is a time when you need to receive, please let us know. There are resources to share and we want to be here for each other. If this is a time when you have financial resources to give, today we continue our holiday giving practice, giving our financial resources together to Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism an organization that is transforming our faith and serving the needs of black people within and beyond Unitarian Universalism now and in the days to come. I invite you to give as generously as you're able, both as the ushers come forward and online as well.
May love prevail, may tyrants tremble, may friends be undefiled by shame, may a new world be born in us, in all of us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a welcoming community that finds strength in the diversity of identities of all who find inspiration and comfort here. 
podcasts are free to download, but they cost money to make. If you find spiritual sustenance from this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Visit firstuniversalistchurch.org slash donate to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person or online for Sunday worship, we'd love to welcome you. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.